Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. We believe that our young people are theologically informed, that they have the ability to tell you about God. And some of the maturity of these young people is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. They know God like, it's a privilege to know them. It's a privilege to know them. And so I've got a scripture here from Galatians 4, and it's Paul talking to us about the church. It says this, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. You see, it's not about age. It's not about position. It's not about birth. It's about spiritual maturity. And so if you're sat in this room right now and you're thinking, oh my days, they're going to say slay. They're going to say things that I don't understand. Just understand that they are spiritually mature. That they are going to preach with authority. So please get your notebooks out and get ready to hear as we are going to hear from Three, two amazing young people. We're going to hear from Kelly and we're going to hear from Kira. And then Joel, our global youth and YA pastor, is going to close us off. That reminds me, I didn't introduce me myself, so you don't know who I am right now. I am, my name's Dylan. I am the Cambridge Youth Pastor. It's lovely to see you. But right now, why don't we um, jump to our feet? Let's welcome Kelly Darkwood as she comes to bring the Word of God today. Come on, Kelly. Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, I promise I won't say slay. Um, so today I want to talk about the idea of salt and light and specifically um, focusing on salt for the first half. Our verse for today is Matthew 5.13, which says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. But before we get there, I just want to look at the verses that precede it, the verses that go before. See, before, we see Jesus going up a mountain teaching the Beatitudes. I think I'm saying it right. And they come from two Latin words, meaning beati sunte. That means blessed are. And that's why the nine verses before say, blessed are this, blessed are that, blessed are this, blessed are that. Some of them are, blessed are the meek. See, meekness is not weakness, but sometimes it's taken to mean you're weak. Meekness is power under control. So blessed are the meek. Uh, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Then it says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Righteousness meaning conducting one's life in an upright manner and with moral standards to reflect that we have relationship with the Lord. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we have blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And one thing that struck me about all these teachings from Jesus is that they're all countercultural. They were then and they are now. 
The Greek word for blessed can also be translated as happy or to be envied. So what Jesus is really saying is, bless, like, to be envied are those who are mourning. Those who are mourning are to be envied, which is something that we wouldn't really, that's not what we re- would really think, right? But so why? I just thought, I was like, so why are they to be envied? And the answer I got was because they are in the perfect position to be comforted by the great comforter. So you mean those who try to keep the peace are happy? Proverbs 20 verse 3 says, it is to one's honor to avoid strife. So you mean those ones that don't always look for a reason to quarrel, those ones that are happy to be disrespected but just have so much confidence in who they are that they don't feel the need to disrespect back, they're the ones that will be called children of God? See, what I find interesting about all these verses is they, they don't fit with the culture of today. Another thing I find interesting is just the Bible in general. See, today, when you read the Bible, it's, divi- it's divided into sub, like categories and verses and chapters. But when they would have originally written it, it wouldn't have been divided like that. So sometimes when I'm reading it, if I'm struggling to understand, I read through the title and I just forget that the titles are there because it shows just kind of the way Jesus would have said it. So what we find in our text today is that Jesus said things that were very countercultural, and then we land on our verse that talks about us being salt and light. So what does that tell me? That as the salt of the earth, we're meant to be countercultural. It tells me that we're meant to affect the fav- the fla- we're meant to affect the flavors of the surroundings we find ourselves in. So, we're meant to be countercultural and we're meant to affect the flavor. Great, but if we lose our saltiness, how are we going to do that? If we lose the things that set us apart, how are we going to do that? See, Revelation three fourteen talks about the church of Laodicea. We see Christ rebuking them for being lukewarm. And today there's a lot going around that's being spoken about how Christians are becoming lukewarm. And people suggest that it means that you're a half-in, half-out Christian. You do some things, and then you don't do other things. And fair enough, that's convicting on some level. However, that's not what Jesus really meant. See, to understand what Jesus was really talking about, you need to know a little bit about Laodicea. So let me tell you. Laodicea was a city that had a water issue. History tells us that their water flowed for miles through an underground aqueduct. And so by the time it reached them, it wasn't really, really hot and nice. And it wasn't cool either. It was dirty and tepid and lukewarm. So this metaphor would have been something that they were very, very familiar to. See, when visitors that weren't accustomed to the water of Laodicea visited and drank it, they were known for just spitting it out. And that's crazy to me because, so something that you're not used, someone else isn't used to, that's, so it's so gross that it would make someone just spit it out straight away and not want it anywhere near them, was something that the people of Laodicea were living with as if there was no issue. Jesus was telling them that you're no longer spiritually on fire. He was saying that they're not cold and like blatantly rejecting Jesus, but they're also not at the place that he wanted them to be. And so the idea that they were lukewarm is not also something that they were outwardly professing. They weren't going around talking about it like we do today. They weren't aware of it. They weren't cognizant of it. They didn't know. And so that's why Jesus wrote them that letter. See, Christ wasn't saying all of this to beat them down and to highlight their wrongness and just leave them in it. Verse 19 tells us that to those he loves, he rebukes. So he corrects and he disciplines. So be earnest and repent. The word tells us that Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. 
John MacArthur says, Christ was seeking to enter this church that bore his name, but lacked a single true believer. So Christ didn't just write this letter and leave them. He was willing to come in and help them and give them the real light of a true spiritual fire. So our verse, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. If salt is out of purpose, it's useless. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. If a lamp is hidden and the light it contains is covered up, it's useless. See, we're called children of the light. We have Christ inside of us, who is the light of the world. So let's not hide it. Let's go out and show people the kind of love that we've experienced for ourselves. See, what happens in this building is not just for this building, it's for every single place you go. This year, our word of the year for world changers was chosen at the end, as you saw on the video. World changers defined by my designer, and you're chosen. See, at youth, we understand that what God has placed in us and where he has placed us is specific and with purpose, to reach the people that only we can reach, to reach the people in your life that only you can reach. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are salt and you are light. There's going to be a flavor to the world no matter what we do, but it's up to you what that flavor is going to be. Why don't we keep this round of applause going as we welcome Kira. Come on, Kira. Come on, here you go. I know you've got one arm. It takes you slightly longer to get on stage right now. Oh, gosh. Sorry. A little bit all over the place right now. Um, my name is Kira, like Dylan said, and I am a youth here. I've been coming to C3 for about five years now, but I've only really got involved in the last couple year and a bit, I'd say, but I have always felt that C3 is where I need to be, and it's where I am I'm called to be. And when I was asked to, to talk today, I kind of thought a lot about what I was going to preach about, because depending on the verse I chose, I would have to have a different level of vulnerability. And no offense, wasn't sure how vulnerable I wanted to be with everyone. <laughs> and my dad recommended this book to me called A Purpose Driven Life. Great book, recommend it. And so I've got my book, I've got my highlighter, and some little post-it notes, because I take reading very seriously. And I get to a chapter called Sharing Your Life Message. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm struggling with. It's almost like God knew. And I'm reading the book, and it talks about our weaknesses and how we should, we should share them and we should be vulnerable, because ministry begins with vulnerability. And it then goes on to say, the more you share your struggles and you, like, you break down that wall, the more God is able to, to use you in serving others. And after reading this, I was like, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable. It's going to happen. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And it also says, those who believe in the Son of God have a testimony of God in them. And I have a testimony, right? All of us have testimonies, and so I'm going to share that today. The verse that I have chosen is Psalm 23, verse 4. Most people will know it. It's, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And a little bit of a backstory. My parents got divorced when I was four years old. 
and I lived with my biological mother during the week, and I would see my dad on weekends. Now, my mother was a non-Christian woman who was very abusive, and she would often bring people into our house as well who would hurt us. And she would then sometimes leave me with my two younger sisters. So by the time I was seven, I was looking after a two-year-old and a newborn for hours by myself. And she had a very short fuse. She, she wasn't a strong person in herself. And you never really knew what was going to set her off. So I was constantly scared because I could do something one day and it would be fine. And I would do it another day and there would be big consequences. And because of this... I kind of learned to be quiet and I, I, I kept to myself because if I was able to be safe, I could keep my sister safe, right? And that was my main goal. And now the other side, for those of you who know me, my dad is like one of my favorite people in the whole world, love him so much. And to not be able to see him all the time sucked. It was so bad. But when I did see him for like that one weekend, the first thing I'd be like, I was like, please can I go to Grant's house? Please can I go to Grant's house? And he, every time he was like, yeah, sure, you can go to Grant's house. And, and when I would go, she would take me to her church, which is where I got to see all my family and, and my friends and my cousins. And I got to spend the day with people who made me feel loved and, and made me feel important and like, like I had worth. And when I would walk through the doors of that church, I felt safe and I felt comforted. And I was like, okay, so this is what home is supposed to feel like. And during the services, the kids would be with the parents and then would go out later on to do their own thing. And my cousins and I used to color in. I do lots of art, so yeah. Um, and if I'm being honest, I only really half listened to what I was being told in the services because I was like this big and didn't really care about much because I wasn't a, a whole person yet. Um, and <laughs> one thing that really stuck with me and I remember is they were talking about something and all I heard was, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And I was like, ooh, okay, that's, that's quite strong. Brushed it off, kept doing my own thing. And this is a verse that I have carried with me in my heart through everything. I mean, I, I still hold it with me all the time today. And... I recite it in the moments where, where I'm scared or in those times where I thought I wasn't going to survive because I, I didn't know what was happening. And God has always been with me regardless of whether I believed it or not. But the more I said this verse and the more I spoke this over me, the more I believed it. And I kind of built up the courage to, to tell my mom that I wanted to live with my dad, which was very scary. And so I got taken out of that situation because I spoke that over me. I wasn't scared anymore because God was with me. And I now live with my dad and my stepmom, who is an amazing woman. She has literally like been a better mom to me than I could have ever asked for. And yeah, and now I get to stand up here and share my testimony with everyone, which is very exciting. And just, I will fear no evil. I was thinking about this and I was like, it's strong, but why is it strong? It is a statement of unwavering confidence and trust in God's protection and presence in your life, right? And it's kind of stating how important it is to rely on God in the moments where you are most vulnerable and helpless, which is, is what I did in these moments. And I, I kept speaking this over myself. And I mean, now look at me. Um, then when I moved here in 2017, so I'm originally from South Africa, um, 
I wanted to come to youth, but I was scared because I was like, oh no, they're not gonna want me there. These people are, they're not gonna, gonna like me. I don't deserve to be there. Don't really know God that well. And I was speaking these things over myself and I was putting these labels on me. And I remembered this verse again, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And God took those away. I was not scared anymore. And I came into church. I came into last year's youth conference and I prayed and I was like, Lord, please just show me my community. And that is what he did. And now I have amazing people in my life who help me grow in my faith and strengthen my relationship with God. I think I have some pictures, if those are gonna come up. These are my friends. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so we really see the good purpose that God has for us in the pain and the failure while it's happening because you're so focused on you being hurt and, and the fear, right? But, but when you look back on it, God has taken your weaknesses and your struggles and he's turned them into a testimony to help other people. So he has, he has used what I went through as a gift and he has put me in a place where I can now make a difference and, and I, I am part of the kids' ministry, so I have been put into that where I, I can look after kids and I can help them grow in their faith. And Psalm 23 verse four is, it is my favorite verse because it has gotten me through all of these tough times and I'm, I am now able to, to live for God. And I truly believe that it has helped shape me for the purpose that he has for me. And he is working in me in so many ways and he is working through all of you in so many ways. And yeah, I'm excited to see what happens in church and youth later on. Kira, you are so brave. You are a leader. We just want to acknowledge you right now. You know, God has called you to Cambridge. God has called you to be a Cambridge Kids Pastor. And it's clear by your testimony that young people, that children are going to follow you. It's no accident you're here. It's no accident. Hey, right now I have the privilege to introduce the big dog. He hates it when I say this, so that's why we're going to do it. Do you want to repeat after me? The big dog. He hates it. It's wonderful. It is the big dog, our global youth, and YA pastor, Joel Byrne. So as he comes up, why don't you clap? Why don't you say big dog? Hello. If you don't call me Big Dog, I'll buy you a coffee. <laughs> Isn't it so good that we've got so many amazing young people? It's been so amazing to see Micah, Kira and Kelly come up on this stage and lead the church. We are not just old people like myself, even though I'm not that old. We're, we're, but we're a multi-generational church, which I love. I absolutely love it. Um, and today, I thought I would talk quickly about what we've done over World Changes, over our youth conference, and then show you a little bit of the vision of what we are doing at youth, so that you guys can be inspired, you guys can be praying for us, maybe even join team, who knows? And I want to talk to you about, first of all, why we do a youth conference in the first place, because I got asked this question, I was like, why... Yeah, that's a good question. We should know why we do it, right? And we do a youth conference because we believe that 
God has given us this amazing building to host young people in here for more than 24 hours. So we get them for a period. They get no sleep. (laughs) So that when in the morning, they listen. But also we want to see them make lifelong friendships. We want to see them build their faith. I remember going to youth conferences when I was 14, 15, 16. And I remember these youth conferences changing my life. I remember them being cornerstone moments in my faith. I remember being prophesied over by leaders. And I knew and I knew that I knew what I wanted to do with my life. And that's what I want for our young people. So we called it Unlabeled this year. Because the world is so full of labels. Our young people get stuck with labels every day. Whether it's from parents, which isn't always a good or a bad thing. Whether it's from parents, whether it's from themselves, whether it's from school. And this can add up to a concoction that is kind of overwhelming in their life. And I spoke yesterday at World Changes about Joseph. About in Genesis when he tells his brothers, this is probably not a good thing to do is go, you know, I'm the favorite. I'm dad's favorite, right? Um, I just wanted to let you know that I had a dream and you all bowed down to me. That, that, that's not going to go down well. But he then was sold into slavery. He went to Potiphar's house and then ended up in prison. And he was faithful through each, every step of it. And through every step of that journey, it said, God was with him. God was with him. And there was a moment in that story, what I love is when Pharaoh decides, I need someone to interpret my dreams. I need someone to interpret my dreams. He went around the the globe, as they knew it, and he spoke about, he got all of the magicians, all of the priests that he could find, and he could find no one that could interpret their dreams except for Joseph, who was in prison at this point. And the reason he could find no one was because God had called Joseph into that role before he knew it. Joseph, in all of his life, could have lied once, got out of it, could have gone to bed with Potiphar's wife. He could have altered his calling, but he didn't. God was with him, and we see what happens when God is with you. You enter into your calling, no matter what you've done. No matter how you get there, you enter into your calling. And that is why we called it unlabeled. Because Joseph would have been labeled as someone that sleeps with people's wives. Untrue, but he would have. He would have been labeled a liar. He would have been labeled a prisoner. He would have been labeled a slave. And look where those labels got him. It doesn't matter what labels people put on you. Because the label God has put on you is child of God, called and chosen. And that's all that matters. If God says you are called and chosen, you will inherit what God has given you. And that's really important. So I went on about these labels that people put on you. And then I told a little bit about my testimony. Now, I haven't got time to go into it because I've got two and a half minutes left and I'm only starting. But... (laughs) I talked about my testimony and the labels that I put on myself when I was young. What I put on myself was that I was a failure, that I was unworthy, that I didn't deserve this. And my pastors at the time, when I went to them, they said, no, 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 Joel, you are loved, you are a child of God. They showed me the heart of God when I couldn't see it myself. And that's why we're here. We're here to show these young people the heart of God.
We want them to know that their identity doesn't need to be based in what people say over them, even what they say over themselves, but it needs to be based on what God says. And this Bible verse that I'm about to read out was kind of the crux of the whole the whole idea of unlabeled, the whole idea of defined by my designer, the whole idea of chosen. And that is 1 Peter 2.9. And that is, but you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of his darkness and into his wonderful light. I'm going to read it again. And then you're going to go, amen, because it's the Bible and it's the word of God. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Isn't that good news today? Isn't that good news today? We are called out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And we want to empower young people to know that. We want to empower them to grasp that they don't have to live alone, that they don't have to live in darkness. And right now, we're going to show you a song that our young people have written about who they are and whose they are. You might not know this, but the the opener that we showed you, that you saw online as well, you're welcome. You saw this opener that the youth have written. They declared what they had seen in their life, to begin with, it was a journey, what, God, what they had said over themselves, what people had said over themselves, and then it transformed into what God says. And right now, thank you, Sarah, and right now we are about to hear a song that is all about who we are and what we are. And these young people, I love them, they're amazing. They've got such creative gifts, not just the ones that have been on platform today, but the ones that are on the Connect team, the ones that are jumping and dancing. Pedro, Tanasha, you guys are leaders. You're going to be effective across the whole church one day. And it's incredible. And I just want you guys to, to, to grasp the vision of youth. It is to empower and equip them in the knowledge that they are the sons and daughters of the living God. So right now, I've got to go and get another mic. This is going to be seamless transition because I'm on the band. Seamless transition. We're going to sing a song for you guys. Um, I'd encourage you to just engage, to, to maybe stand up and, and just read the lyrics and let this wash over you. Father God, I thank you for our young people, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we're not a church that rejects them, that keeps them quiet, but we are empowering church. Lord, that we see our young people lead us. Lord, that we see our young people inspire us to be better people, to be better at spreading the gospel, Lord, to be bold and courageous. Lord God, I thank you for our young people for what they are going to show us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the C3 podcast. This message has spoken to you today in some way. We would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the C3.uk. And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to the C3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon.